Welcome to the Become Revolutionary Show, where we pull back the curtain and talk to successful entrepreneurs and industry leaders about their journey to success, the process of entrepreneurship, and the adversity they've encountered along the way. With your hosts, Charlene and Noel, and their amazing guests from all over the globe, you will feel right at home and part of the entrepreneurial tribe while hearing about the ups, downs, curves, and missteps in these stories and how it all ultimately contributes to success in business and life. Join us now as entrepreneurs support other entrepreneurs. Stronger together, further, faster. Welcome to the Become Revolutionary show, where we talk to you about how to get over those hurdles to become revolutionary in life and business. We're your hosts, Noelle and Charlene, and today's topic is all about overcoming adversity and creating your own happiness. That's right. Today, Justin Shank is joining us. He's an entrepreneur, a speaker, and the host of the top-rated podcast, The Growth Now Movement. He's been named a top eight podcaster to follow by Inc. Magazine, featured in Thrive Global, and chosen as an icon of influence in the new media space. I am so excited for our conversation today. Welcome, Jason. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to No, you're good. By the way, my aunt called me Jason for the first 20 years of my life. So look, you're, you, you nailed it all, right? All the, all the last name mispronunciations and now the first name. So, uh, but but honestly, just super excited to be here and excited to dive in and, and see where this goes. And hopefully we say one or two things that your audience goes, wow, that, that kind of made sense. Amazing. So we know all about growth now, and we really want to go there and we want to tell everybody about it, but I'd like to rewind a little bit and kind of talk to you about how you got started or did you just like wake up one day and you were like, boom, growth now. Um, Like where, yeah, where did you start off and how how did this movement kind of um, get established in your heart? Yeah, that's a that's a really really good question, and and I'm going to go back a little bit further, even before Growth Now was born, and the whole idea, like long before podcasts even existed, right? Long before an iPod. Um, and so when I was in high school, I I always jokingly say if there was a senior superlative for least likely to succeed, it would have been me. Uh, I had a 1.7 GPA. My mom was in the middle of a 20 year battle with opioids, and my dad was in jail. And so if you look at the statistics, everything said, I have no shot. I'm going to fail. Like, as a matter of fact, they say, if your parent's an addict, you have a 50% chance of being an addict. And if your parent's in jail, you have 50% chance of ending up in jail. So like, if you do the math, I'm hundred percent screwed, right? Like it's coming at me from both angles. Um, and so obviously I didn't go to college because of the poor grades. And when I was 19, I got a job in direct sales and I had a mentor within this company and I ended up doing very well in the direct sales company, fell in love with the whole idea of entrepreneurship and setting your own hours and doing all that stuff. But the most important part of me having that job was when I was 19, uh, I got handed a book called who moved my cheese. Uh, and if you haven't read it, I highly recommend super quick yeah. read 90 minutes. Uh, and it, but it, but it changed my perspective of life. Number one, it was the message I needed to hear at the time, right? Which is the world's going to change around you. Things are going to happen around you, but that doesn't matter. What matters is how you react to that. Uh, and then, more importantly, it introduced me to self-development, this idea that I can learn on my own, that I can grab a book that I'm interested in and learn from the masters. Uh, And that was really the start of my journey of trying to figure out who I am and what's my place in this world and and what was all the adversity for. Uh, And then obviously, you know, fast forward, I didn't launch the podcast till I was 30. So talk about lots of growth in that time, right? Multiple failed businesses trying to figure out, you know, 
who I am, um, and then launched the podcast and, and everything kind of blossomed from there. And I was really, really fortunate. And there's obviously so much more that I'm sure we can dive into, but, but the introduction to entrepreneurship and self-development was when I was 19. Uh, and then that the journey began then with a lot of missteps and a lot of, you know, back pedals and all the other things in between, but, but it was quite the journey. Wow. That is quite the journey. And so I'd like to dive in there. If you don't mind, let's go back because those missteps are really important. Noelle and I really like to highlight the process and that you don't just step into it and everything lights up and it works well. No, there's some growth and some learning there. So to help other people um, avoid those pitfalls and avoid tripping in the same place as you did, if you could go back and you're looking back on your life, like, what would you share with people to inspire them and to help them forward from where they are now so that they don't trip in the same way that you did? Yeah, I think, you know, this is a very common saying these days, but it's something that I've been saying for years. I heard it from a, a good friend, Ed Milet, and he says it all the time. Uh, and it is life is happening for me and not to me. And if you're able to adopt that mindset, all these bad things are always going to continuously happen, right? Like no matter what we do, bad things are going to happen around us. But if we go, okay, why is this happening for me? We never get into the victim mindset, right? Which I did many, many times in my life before I understood this thought process, you know, between failed businesses and going, why do I suck as an entrepreneur? Uh, I should have been going, well, what can I learn from this to, to move forward, right? Like it's really that shift in perspective and the idea that we actually define our rock bottom moment. And what I find most people do is they hit the rock bottom moment and they might recover for a little bit, uh, but they feel bad for themselves. And then they hit the next rock bottom moment and the next rock bottom moment and the next rock bottom moment until it's too late, right? If we realize that life is happening for us instead of to us, that rock bottom moment, if we define it, everything else is a learning moment and we grow from there. It doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. It just means that we're not going to allow those bad things to dictate who we become. Um, and I think that that's kind of the greatest lesson that I learned, whether it be in my relationships, in my business, in my wellness, whatever. Yes, there's going to be setbacks, but it also allows me to learn from them and then kind of implement them into my life and then be able to, to grow from there. So can we just, can we dive into that one a little bit further? Like how, how logistically do you pull yourself out of those moments? Like, do you give yourself like a pity me day <laughs> Do you, or is it an hour? And what are some physical, tangible steps that you take to pull yourself out of a funk or one of those days where you hit a wall in your business and things just aren't moving as quickly as you may like them to be? How do you get yourself out of that? Yeah. I think the first thing is we need to feel our feelings, right? Like we have to allow ourselves some grace in that moment. Like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be all those things. You just can't stay there. Uh, and every moment's different, right? Like something might happen where I'm a little bit down for three or four days and then I bounce back and then I, then I kind of go back into my thoughts and I'm like, Oh, I feel down again, but I don't allow myself to stay there. And that's been the biggest driver for me. Um, and so a, a couple things, right? Like we need to make sure that we're surrounded by the right with the right people. Uh, when our team, or our people, our front line are, are the right people in place. Yeah. That's when it's easier to bounce back because you have those sounding boards of people that are willing to kind of coach you through or walk you through that thought process. You know, we all know the saying, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with, right? Like one of the most famous quotes of all time. And the reason it's one of the most famous quotes is because it's true. Like there's a massive truth to that. Uh, and I actually did a deep dive a couple of years ago and I was like, what does that even mean? Right. I think people hear that and they go, well, does that mean I have to get rid of everybody that I love just to replace them and get the 
five people and spend all my time with them. And, you know, all millionaires and all these successful people, that's just not the case. And so what I ended up doing was I defined these five people specifically, uh, and I gave them titles and they all play a role in my life that helped me move forward. So the first person is your cheerleader. Like this is the person that you talk to them and they make you feel like you can run through a brick wall, right? Like you, you tell them your idea with excitement and then they get even more excited. And then all of a sudden your idea is bigger, right? Like a massively important person in your life. The second person is a bruiser. Like this is the person who questions you, who says, are you sure that's the right thing to do? Are you sure that's the right approach? What are you thinking here? Right. The person that kind of opens your eyes to the potential adversities that you're going to go through as you're growing now to be super super clear here. This person's not an abuser. They're a bruiser, two separate things, right? Like this person's not trying to tear you down. They're trying to build you up, uh, but they're doing it from a very uh, specific set of skills, right? Yeah, Those like people challenging are... you, not, not knocking you down a hundred percent. Right. A hundred percent. And then the third person uh, is your softy, right? This is the person who, when you are in those low moments, they allow you to, to kind of be the shoulder to cry on. Right. Uh, but this person is not an enabler. This is the person who's going to go, it's okay. You've got this let's move forward. Right. Uh, the fourth person is a mentor. I define mentor a little bit different than most people. I think in the entrepreneur space, we hear mentor a lot and we go, well, the person I want to emulate in my business to me, a mentor is somebody who I consider a close friend, but I, they have an aspect of, of them or their life that you kind of like, I admire that. And I want to be like that. And so my mentor is actually a guy named Fabio Viviani. A lot of people know him from the show top chef. Uh, and I, by the way, I have no desire to own restaurants. He owns like 30. He also does about $350 million a year. I don't ever have to make $350 million a year. Um, but he is such a giving person and he gives more than anybody I know. And so I admire him as a mentor because I want to give like he gives. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what do I have to put in place in order to be that person? And then the fifth person is a coach. Like I really believe that you should always have some sort of financial investment into your future, whether it be in relationships and spirituality and in your wellness and, and whatever, I've had coaches in all aspects because uh, I think it's a really, really important part. Now, obviously those people can change over time and evolve as you evolve, but I always have those five people in place. And when I hit those to go back to the actual question uh, with the longest answer ever, but when I hit those rock bottom moments or when I feel like down, I'm down and out, those are the people that I call on to say, what do I do to, to move forward? You know, after I feel my feelings and I sit and sit in that pain or that whatever, I then make these calls that I need to make. And I say, what do I need to do to move forward? Uh, and I think that that's such an important part that so many people miss, uh, is to a feel them and then to be open and vulnerable enough to talk about them. Uh, and you can do that in that safe space of those five people. I love that. And something you just highlighted kind of reminded me of a conversation Charlene and I were having the other day of being able to kind of observe what's happening to you from the outside in and being able to even articulate how would you move forward or, or what advice do you have for me? But when we're in kind of like this victim mindset, we I, I feel that we end up complaining more than looking at it um, sort of objectively, right? And, and there's room for the subjective, of course, but I think it comes to a point in order to move forward, we need to look at it objectively as well and, and have those around us. So I love, I love what you're sharing. There's one thing that keeps coming back to me, and you said it a few minutes ago, but I'm, I'd like to go back to it. Charlene and I started um, a virtual event management agency. And so that's how we met. We, we became business partners and we helped people uh, run their virtual events. And a lot of the clients that came to us 
would say something similar or along the lines to something you said when you were kind of feeling like you weren't great at entrepreneurship was, oh, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe I suck as an entrepreneur. What was it that had you get out of that mindset? Like before you identified these five people, like what, how did you move from the victim mentality to like, kind of scraping yourself off the floor and being like, no, like I'm, I'm going to be level-headed about this and I'm, I'm going to pursue it because I love it so much. Because I, I was miserable every day. Hmm. Uh, and I knew creating that freedom for myself where there was no clock to punch. Uh, I was living in my purpose. I knew that that would help me get out. Now I'll say this. I was chasing entrepreneurship for the wrong reasons. I was chasing entrepreneurship for the things that society said would make me happy, right? I didn't love myself. I was miserable. I was going through it, like all these things. But I was like, once I get this success, once I have the million dollars, once I have the house, the car, the girl, then all of a sudden I'm going to be happy, right? I thought that that's what I wanted because that's what society says, specifically males, uh, in, in particular males. Like once you get these things, you're going to be happy. Um, but what I realized, I'm a really good observer, observer of other people. I learned this at a young age going through with what I went through with my parents, but, um, I realized that it's just not true, right? I saw way too many miserable millionaires. I saw way too many people cheating on their spouses, even though on the outside, it looked like they were happy, like all these things. But the greatest lesson for me was when actually when, when my mom passed away, um, when she passed away, everything shifted for me, right? Like my original idea behind the podcast six and a half years ago, was to interview entrepreneurs so I can learn how to be a better entrepreneur because I had three failed businesses. And I was like, well, let me learn from the masters, right? Yeah. And then when my mom passed away, uh, everything shifted. I realized that life is so much more than what society was telling me it was, right? Like I looked at my mom's life and my mom didn't die because she was an addict. My mom died because she didn't love herself. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the reality. Uh, and she couldn't see how amazing she was and how, uh, like how everybody who ever met her loved her and was drawn to her and her energy was amazing. She never saw that. And so when she passed away, I actually went through a three month bender where I was blackout drunk six nights a week. And when I woke up from that bender finally, and I was like, I need to face this shit. That was my true rock bottom moment. It wasn't, I used to think it was when my mom passed away, but when I look back now, I defined it three months after she, she passed away. And I said, this is it. I'm never going to allow these things to, to affect me anymore. But when I came out of that and I felt the pain and I woke up the next day, I went, you don't love yourself either. What does that take to figure out how to start loving yourself? Right. And which is probably the hardest thing for most people to figure out because it's your own journey. Like people are like, well, how do you do it? Right. I used to ask every single guest when I first started my podcast, because right. yeah. I always say the first two years of my show were for me. Every question that I asked were for me, like it was the stuff I was going through. So if you want to know all the stuff I was going through many years ago, <laughs> listen to the show. Um, but, but I would ask everybody like, you know, how do you define self-love or how do you find it? And, wow. but I realized that um, it's your own journey, right? Like I don't have the answer for you. I can give you some tips and tricks to start and begin and look at yourself a little bit differently, but it's, everybody has their own journey. Uh, yeah. and so I was able to really kind of figure that out. And I can tell you right now, I, I have success in my life. I've got an amazing fiance. We have a beautiful home. We, we drive nice cars. We have all the things that society told me that if I had it, I'd be happy, but I found happiness before I had it. Mm -hmm. And I realized that finding happiness before I had it was now is now the reason that I have it. 
right? It was, I was thinking of it backwards. Like I thought that once I had it, I'd find happiness, but I had to do it the other way. Um, and that was really my journey. The first two years was, was my journey of like trying to figure out so many different things and take away little nuggets. And, you know, Ed Milet came on my show four years ago, whenever it was, and he cried because I have different conversations with people because I needed to know more. Uh, and so that for me was like the power of asking questions was so incredible. Uh, and I was able to really kind of build myself back up or build myself into the human that I was meant to be. Wow. So speaking of being observant, like I, Charlene and I always say, like, we're so happy we met each other because we're also very observant people. And so we can often like notice my mom always said, I'd walk into a room, even as a little kid and size it up, you know, Oh, that person's <laughs> not feeling well or like what's going on. And, um, I've observed, and I'd like to pick your brain on this. I've observed that anyone I deem successful, like whether they deem themselves successful or not, have overcome some sort of like massive adversity. Like they have a story. And so do you feel like success, um, that that is a component to success in some way? Yeah. You know, success is a funny word. I ask every single guest to my show, how do you, how do you define success? Um, and obviously it's always different, right? Like I think everybody else has their own thing. Um, but I do think that you need to overcome some sort of adversity in order to create success in your life. And here's why we all have adversity, right? This just happens to be my story, right? Everybody has their own adversity, right? Like I don't ever downplay what somebody else went through very often. They try and downplay it like, well, it's nothing. It's like nothing that you went through. Right. right. And I go, whoa, whoa, no, but for you, it was everything right? For you, it was everything. Um, you know, and, and they did this study actually, and I'm going to, I'm going to mess this up, but I'll try my best. They did this study of inner city kids, uh, and then kids who lived in like the rich suburbs and they like checked their brains and all the things and the, the, what we view as little traumas in life, uh, to the kids in the rich suburbs affected their brain the same way as a kid in the city whose mom die of a drug overdose or his father be shot or whatever the case may be. So it affected their brain in the same way. And so we all have traumas, uh, that we should never downplay. We should never downplay them. Um, so yes, the answer to your question is I do believe that you need to overcome some sort of adversity in order to become successful in life. Cause otherwise you're just stuck in the why, why me or what was me type of mindset. Um, but again, how do you define success? Uh, and you know, what do you consider overcoming adversity? I think is the main question. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. You know, um, I've been through a lot of adversity in my life too. And, um, what really started to shift my perspective um, was my dad's suicide. It was a week before Christmas. My daughter was one at the time, single mom. There's Mm -hmm. a whole story behind that. And afterwards I went through another 17 deaths over the course of five years and it changed me. Had a disconnect between my heart and my head. What I learned in that journey of coming home to myself again was I agree with you hundred percent feel the pain be in it. It's, it's a humbling experience going back home to yourself, but then taking that pain and actively doing something with it. And for me, that helped me neutralize how the triggers affect me moving forward. So now when it comes, there are waves, but they don't drown me the same way that they used to. I was able to connect again. So I, I see that you have a growth now community where I, can you tell us a bit more about that? Is this where you encourage people to do something with it as well? Yeah. So first of all, I acknowledge what you went through. I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine, you know, grief itself is uh, a funny thing, 
right? Like, I don't think we're ever done grieving. And I couldn't imagine 17 loved ones in five years. You know, I just got engaged three weeks ago, a little over three weeks ago. And I immediately wanted to text my mom. She's been gone for six and a half years, right? So it's a different kind of grieving as we grow and go through it. But the reality is we have to do the work in order to become the person to work through that grief, to work through those moments. And that's exactly what you're talking about when you're saying, you know, coming back home, right? I think that that's a, that's a huge thing. So so yeah, the Growth Now community was really born as an idea through COVID. Uh, I was like, I have to be able to serve on a deeper level, right? I, I, I did do two virtual events. I know you guys are in that space. I did two virtual events during that time. I think that's essentially how we ended up lining up. Like Jonathan George yeah. uh, spoke, I think, on one or both of them. I'm not sure. Uh, and then I've done two in-person live events. And so obviously as COVID came out, I was able to do a live event about a month and a half ago, uh, which was a great success. And, and I loved being in the room, but I was like, it needs to be so much more than this. And so I launched the community off the back end of that live event. Uh, and the, the community itself, yes, it's for entrepreneurs, but it's also for individuals who know that they have a message that's burning deep down inside of them that, they, that needs to be heard. Uh, and by the way, this is everybody, right? Like actually statistically based off of the sheer amount of people in the world at any given time, there are 75,000 people that need to hear your message specifically from you. And so what we're working on in this community is a number of different things, right? Like I just did a call about how to turn your story into leads, right? So you want to talk about the business side of things, but we talked about how to properly tell your story. Uh, because I think, again, we all have adversities. We should never downplay them, but tell it in a certain way, right? Uh, it's all that stuff. Uh, but I also bring in guest mentors every single, every single month. So tomorrow, as of this recording, so this will come out after, but tomorrow we have Brian Scudamore, who's a CEO of 1-800-GOT-JUNK coming I in to I used to speak. work there a yeah. long time ago. He's not amazing amazing interesting man yeah yeah so he's coming into to mentor he's been on the podcast three times but to see the growth i mean i think the first time he was on the show was actually episode five which is kind of mind-blowing um i think i think 100 got junk was going to do 150 million that year so six and a half years ago they're they're going to do 660 million dollars this year like the growth wow. is just amazing um nick santanastasa was month one and if you don't know who that is like he's incredible so every single month i bring in a guest mentor we do group calls we do all this stuff um but but for me more importantly is about building community of like-minded people but i talked before about those five individuals that you surround yourself with you find those five individuals in your community. So the first step is finding that community, right? As I, when I talk, I, I walk people through an exercise and I have them write down those people. And then I write down who is that person next to that, that title. And then I go, who has all five and nine times out of 10, 75% or more of that audience does not raise their hand. Um, and to me, that was the game changer. That, that's what set everything out off in my life in such a good way. And so that's why I wanted to build the community to give every single person the opportunity that I had in order to grow my brand, right? Like learn from the greatest minds in the world, connect with some of the coolest people. Like that was the ultimate idea behind it. And just really, really excited to see it continue to grow. And, and the stories have been phenomenal already out of it. And so just really, really blessed to be able to build that. Uh, Cause I look at it, I look at what I've been able to do as, as a blessing and an opportunity. And so I go, okay, well, if this is a blessing, how do I pass this forward? How do I give this to more people? And the community was, was hands down, um, one of my favorite ideas I've ever come up with. That's amazing. So the website is growthnowmovement.com. Is that, is that? No. So for it? the community it's it's growthnow.community. Um, and my, my goal was to always make it an easy access point. Uh, so it's $47 a month 
or 497 for the whole year. If people are interested in just locking that in. Um, and I did that on purpose because I knew in many moments of my life that I was like, I can't afford a $10,000 coach. Like I can't do that. Right. And, and when people work one-on-one with me, they'll pay me upwards of that, if not more, depending on what they want. And so I was like, how do I make it affordable? And this was the way to do it. And the coolest part is we have people just starting out in the entrepreneur space that's in the community. And we have people making millions of dollars that are part of the community. Uh, and it's really about them coming together and collaborating and being a part of one another's lives in order to see everybody succeed. Uh, and so weird, I had this idea and, and put in the work and all of a sudden here we are, we finally have it coming together and I'd love to see it grow over the next three to six months uh, and uh, continue to pour into them as much as I possibly can. Oh man. Well, I'm looking forward to some of our viewers coming to join your community. I'm interested in checking it out. I was also going to say something that stood out to me when you mentioned those five people, you were mentioning, um, it was something like the softy or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And where I know that I've tripped in my life and I know others have as well is mistaking that my partner can be that person for me. And I don't know if you've heard this come up a lot, but I just want to, it's coming up a lot for me right now um, to, to bring up, but um, I, yeah, that it needs to be somebody else. It needs to be somebody else, at least for me. Um, I just can't unload to my partner that same way. They're meant to do a different role in my life. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And yes, I can. And, and I'll say this. So my, my fiance is my softie. Um, now I'll, and the reason I share that is because everybody is different, right? Like both me and my fiance are very much growth mindset, growth driven. We do partner in business in a certain aspect. We do, we do retreats together, like super intense three-day retreats together. Um, so we have that kind of bond as well. Um, and we're invested in each other's lives far beyond just our, our love relationship, um, in a good way you can't do that with everybody. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like her and I met later in life and we both did a ton of work before we met each other and we were very much on the same path. And so that makes sense. Now that doesn't work for everybody. And that's why you have to kind of take a step back and go, who are these people really? And if I don't have them, where do I go to find them? Right. And that's why we talked about community. And and I'm not saying growth now community is the answer for everybody, but there's plenty of meetups. There's definitely networking opportunities. There's this way to build or, or live events or even virtual events, right? Like my, my networking within my virtual event was amazing. And so I was like, you could find community that way. Right. And so very, very huge to get involved and kind of put yourself out there. Another kind of thing that I've realized as I was going through this, by the way, I'm I'm writing a book about these five relationships. And so as I do more and more research and I dive into it, I realize these people can't share roles. Like one person can't be two things Mm. Um, because, you know, I, I put the asterisks of, you know, the bruiser can't be an abuser. Uh, what I realize a lot of times is when I talk to people early on in their journey, they go, yeah, you know, I think my boyfriend or my husband's the, the, my bruiser and my biggest cheerleader. I go, you need to be aware that that person could potentially be manipulating you through the cheerleading in order to be an abuser. So we have to be really, really aware of who these people are. And I, I always say they must be five individual people. The funny thing is, uh, people come up to me after I give this talk and they're like, will you be my cheerleader? And I go, you misread me. I am a bruiser through and through. <laughs> like I am tough. Like I am not the person to, to sit there and go, oh yeah, buddy, it's okay. You got this. I'm like, okay, now get your shit together and move forward. Right? Like that's who I am. Uh, and I ask the right questions, but people always think I'm the, I'm the cheerleader. I think part of the journey is too. like, who are you? 
who are you to people? And it's not always the same. Um, but I am a, I'm a bruiser to everybody in my life. Like even my fiance was like, you're my bruiser. Like, I know that you are, um, because I question, I go, why don't you do this? Or what about this? Or what about this? Right. I do it from a loving standpoint, but that's just who I am. Um, and so yes and no, right. Like it depends on who your partner is and on what role they should fill or, or can fill in your life. Hmm. That's so great. So Justin, we end every show with some rapid fire questions that we do not forewarn you about. Are you game to play? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do All right. it. Awesome. Pull some up here. All right, here we go. What's your favorite drink? Uh, Glenn live at 15. And what is your favorite number and why? My favorite number is 34. It was my number in little league. Um, so at, when you're, so when you're a little kid, like, you know, like two year olds, like my favorite number is two, my favorite number is three. As they get older, I got to seven and I was like, everybody's favorite number is seven. <laughs> 34 was my, my number when I played little league. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Three plus four is seven. Oh! So I'm going to say, so gonna say 34. Uh, and so 34 is my favorite number because of that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I like how you identified that you liked the number seven, but didn't want to go with the crowd. So (laughs) (laughs) what's your favorite book? Um, you know, I always say who moved my cheese. I always say who moved my cheese. Right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll stick with that. There's some great books. I'm a really big, like biography reader and all that stuff. But I think who moved my cheese will always be like the one that, that I recommend. Awesome. Do you have a favorite memory? It's a great question. Um, I have a terrible memory. You know, I always think, but I try and like, I have to really dig into like, figure out like childhood memories. Um, I would say anything around the holidays for me, like I'm a huge Christmas freak. And so, you know, fam- being together with family at the holidays. I, so I, so not one specific thing, I don't think, but, just um, but the holidays are cool. And maybe yeah. my first event in 2019, I think actually, yeah, I'm going with that. So the, my yeah. first event in 2019, I, I remember, first of all, I thought nobody would show up. I sold it out, but I thought nobody would show up. It was like, this weird, uh. this weird thing. <laughs> Everybody showed up. It was a packed room. Uh, and I came out on stage and I had never heard a room so loud in my life. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is for me. And so I, I would say that's probably my, that's my favorite memory. Oh. That's my favorite memory. Wow. I love that. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? So I, I, before I met my fiance and she has two kids, I could live anywhere in the world and I stayed right <laughs> where I am. So I would say as of right now in this chapter of life, uh, I would say in a town called why missing Pennsylvania that nobody's ever heard of unless they're from here. So right here. Awesome. Um, do you have a favorite hobby or any hobbies at all? Um, I don't know if it's a hobby, but I, I really enjoy a good cigar. Um, so I don't know if that's a hobby. Is that a hobby? That's a hobby, right? Like people get really obsessed with them. So I I enjoy a good cigar. Yeah. 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 What time of the day are you most productive? So in the, I would say in the morning. So I actually set up my day to, to usually be done work around 2 PM every single day. Uh, and so what I do is I create a to-do list before I wrap up my day for the next day. And then my goal is to get that done. Uh, and then if I'm done before two, I usually stay and get some extra stuff done. Uh, but if I'm done at two, I'm done. And then if I didn't finish the list, I keep working. So I would say in the morning, so every morning I wake up, I walk three miles after my cup of coffee and then I get to work and then I'm super productive probably until about right now. Uh, and then the last two hours, I kind of, kind of trickle out, but I have to get that list done every day. 
I love it. And my favorite question, what is your guilty pleasure? <laughs> it's terrible. Cigars and scotch. Like I don't like, <laughs> clearly my whole life revolves around cigars and scotch, but, uh, but yeah. So, so that is my, also my guilty pleasure. Cause I also know that's not very healthy for you, uh, but I enjoy them. And more importantly with a, a good cigar, two things, number one, if I'm smoking a cigar by myself, it's my best, my best brainstorming time. Uh, and then mm-hmm. if I'm smoking a cigar with somebody I love and admire, it's great conversation. And so that's why I ended up loving cigars because it allows me the time to step away from all the things and just have an hour to myself or with a, a great friend uh, mm-hmm. and and really get some stuff done at least up here. So mm-hmm. that's why that's I like amazing. It. Hey, you balance it out with your with your walking in the morning. You're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. By the way, it's noon and I've already worked out twice today. <laughs> So, you know, try and balance it out. (laughs) Oh, it's just been a blessing and an honor having you join us today. Thank you for sharing so openly with everyone, Justin. And um, yeah, just thank you so much. Any closing thoughts before we wrap up today? Um, that's a great question. And I get this a lot. Like what's your final thoughts or whatever. I think more than anything, anybody listening to this, right. That means they're into self-development. That's, that means they're trying to grow. That means they're striving to go be something or do something maybe a little bit better than they're doing it today. I'll say this. I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And that's beautiful. And I think a lot of people miss that in this growth journey. They think that they need to be at the end result, but the, the reality is there is no end result, right? Uh, the, la- the end that we ha- all have is the same, which is death. And how, whatever you believe happens after that, I'll let you believe that that's perfectly fine. But that's the end result for everybody in this lifetime. Uh, and so enjoy the journey and enjoy the process. And the first step is realizing where you are right now is beautiful. And I think that's such an important message for people to hear. Thank you so much. Well, friends, go check out Justin's community, growthnow.community. Go join, go get those five people. Do an inventory right now, write it down. Who do you have in your life? Who do you think it is? Who are you missing? And then go look to connect uh, with them either in that community or another community. But this is a great place to start. Remember, we're stronger together. We go further faster. Keep lighting up this world one soul at a time, friends. We'll see you next week. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Become Revolutionary Show. If you're enjoying what you've heard, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Become Revolutionary Show.